have thank you so much for today. Thank you for the chance to come back and do another episode of this and ultimately just have conversations about you. Lord, I pray that today is uh, edifying, that we can all learn something, that you are touching hearts and ears that listen to this. And uh, God, I just pray for unity. I pray for unity in your church. I pray for uh, all of us to come together under your name um, because together we are we're a force for good and we can do amazing things uh, when we come together and we fight alongside you and what your spirit's doing in the world today. And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything that you are, for all of your goodness. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Welcome to the True Discipleship Podcast, where we have practical conversations on what it means to be a passionate follower of Jesus. We are so thankful you chose to listen today and hope you gain a fresh perspective. With Jesus at the center, this is a community where everyone is given a seat at the table, a place to dive into scripture, talk, think, explore, and learn what following Christ is all about. Now on to our hosts, Aaron and Morgan Nelson. And just like the Backstreet Boys, we're back. Huh? No. Not a fan of that one? That's all right. I don't need you to be. Morgan, how are you? I'm great. You you happy to be back? I am so happy to be back. It's been a long time since we've been in this. Well, actually, we were in this room a couple of days ago, but it's this is more intentional this this time. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, We were in this room a couple of days ago for the first time in, I think I did the math. It was like six. About two months. Eight weeks. Yeah. Eight weeks that, that we hadn't. I mean, we've been in this room, but we weren't in here for the purpose of recording yes um but we did get to do something fun as a result uh we recorded a bonus episode yeah yeah bonus episode is live now that came out this past friday so feel free to go ahead and check that out it's basically just a life update uh not much discipleshipling <laughs> gonna be happening there but uh if you just kind of want to know where we've been for the past two months and why we haven't released an episode and, and all that other stuff feel free to go ahead and check that out it's just listed as a bonus episode um yeah and I don't know, I, I, in my brain, I feel like people don't really care about what's going on in their personal lives. And that's why we wanted to record it as a separate episode so that people who were here strictly for the discipleship didn't have to endure listening. <laughs> I just imagine who that person is. He's like, I'm here for strictly the discipleship. <laughs> I don't want anything else. Leave it all back. Well, yeah. So it's there. We just did it in a separate episode so that we didn't take up 20 minutes of this episode explaining why. Uh, and where we've been, so why we've been away and, and what we've been doing that whole time. So, uh, last time that we were with you, we were continuing a series on the gospel. We've done two parts, and today we're going to do the last one. This is part three today, and uh, we're going to be talking all about unity. We're going to be talking about uh, what does it mean for uh, the gospel. Basically, correction: What does the gospel mean for us when it comes to unity? Why is it important? Uh, why is it such a big deal? Uh, we talked about how the gospel gives us union with God on the last episode, but it also uh, makes way for deeper unity with one another. So I'm just going to, before we get too far into that, Morgan, I just want to ask you, do you feel like when you look at the world today, do you see a lot of unity? No. Cool. So we probably have some work to do. We're going to talk about that. (laughs) Stick around.
So I don't want us to get too far into this episode before we um, ask everybody to just connect with us online uh, as we talk about unity. Uh, I think we can also talk about community and uh, just how important that is. And we would love to connect with you on various social media platforms. Uh, We're on Instagram at True Discipleship Podcast. We're on Facebook. I think you just search. Yep. True True Discipleship Discipleship Podcast Podcast on Facebook. We have an email address that I never get right. True Discipleship 2021 at gmail.com. Almost outdated. Almost. Wow. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we would love to connect with you uh, any way that you like. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, it's going to be good. So we're talking about this idea of unity. And uh, I think initially, unity is one of those tough words, because I think it's one of those words that we're all like, oh, yeah, sure, unity. I'm all down for it. But can we like if we take a step back for just a second and really think about us and where we are as a culture, um, I'm trying to think. So I'm 27, you're 26, right? Yes. Yeah. So like millennial culture, I think, is kind of a big one. I feel like our culture right now praises individualism, Mm. right? Like I feel like we live in this culture that's very like me centric and like, I don't need anybody. I'm just going to grind it out. I'm going to handle everything myself. And like, I don't know. I feel like introvert culture is something that's become really popular lately. Like even whether it's like memes or like, Oh, I'm just tired of people and I don't have time for this and I got to recharge my battery. And, and like, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with self care. Um, but I mean, do you see that? Do you see like this, this, I mean, I, I used to think that like getting excited when people canceled plans and just rolling up in a blanket at home was great for me, but it seems like the entire world right now is kind of obsessed with that idea. Uh, I think if you're conducting a survey, your survey size and like survey sample is not large enough and I am not the appropriate person to talk about because I am like the antithesis of everything that you just described. Um, Oh, that's very true. I yeah. I love people and I love spending time with people. Uh, I think if if words of affirmation weren't my number one love language, I think the next one is quality time. Mm. Um, I love spending time with people. I do sometimes get excited about canceled plans. Mm-hmm. I will I will admit. Okay, I think that's fair. I think from my introvert perspective, I don't know. I feel like. I'm actually an introvert and I feel like right now, at least like on the internet, like it's cool to be an introvert, <laughs> you know? And I was like, no, leave us alone. Like we don't need you to <laughs> do all this. Other. But no, I think you make a good point. I think that, uh, I think what you're insinuating is, is that there's more to unity because you, you hinted towards quality time. I think you're saying there's more to unity than just proximity of other people. Mm-hmm. Right? Like unity isn't just a bunch of us being close in, 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 a specific place unity has something to do with our hearts unity has something to do with are we oriented towards the same thing together are we chasing after the same thing are we pursuing the same thing together um because there are, I, i'm around a lot of people relatively often but i don't always feel unity with them yeah does that go along with like you can be in a room full of people but still feel alone sort of yeah or is that just a really depressing thought? no it is a really depressing thought <laughs> um but i do think there's something to it um uh, for example, um, you know, for a long time I did the church thing where it's like, my goal was, I want to like go into church, get out, don't talk to anybody, put my head down the whole way. But does that really mean that I have unity, especially in a Christian sense? Um, mm-hmm. you know, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us don't neglect meeting together as some people do. And I think that right now with the way the church is kind of set up and orchestrated is, uh, we get together and we meet once a week on Sunday and we think, oh, well, as long as I was sitting in the congregation looking at 
whoever's preaching on stage and maybe I even engage in worship, well, then we're all unified, which really that's, that's not true, right? Like it's not just about proximity. It's not just being around people. It's kind of like the like movie theater first date. You know what I'm talking about? Like <laughs> you just met somebody. We're going to go to a movie theater. It's our first date. And it's like the worst first date idea ever. Why? Because you're going to sit in a dark room where you like can't talk to each other. <laughs> I right? mean, just the other day we've been married for over a year and you were like let's go see a movie and yeah i was like oh no like i really want to talk to you and connect with you like i don't want to go sit in a room for two hours yes and so what happened we ended up going somewhere and we sat down together and we just talked and we handled business like we planned out trips that we have coming up and we talked about like just stuff going on in our personal lives and all that and so i think that's even i think there's a prime example of how like unity isn't just about us being around one another, but it's us aligning ourselves with one another. And so I, I, to pose a question to whoever's listening is, do you feel like as a part of your church or your faith community, do you feel like you are currently actively uh, aligning yourself with the things of God, with the people who are around you? This is what I think like church initiatives are a really good idea, right? Like whenever our church says, oh, we're going to go out and do this service project, or we have this mission trip or whatever. I think those things are good because they get a chance to, to get you to get your eyes off of yourself to first of all, look at who's in this thing with me. And then who, how are we together going to go out and do something to impact and change the world around us? And I think that's the thing that God wants for us when he talks about unity, right? Does that all make sense? Yeah. None of that was in our show notes, but that's just good. I think that's probably a good differentiator um, to not think that, yeah, to not think that it's all just about proximity. Uh, and so when you realize that unity is something bigger, something that God actually wants for us, uh, John chapter 17 becomes huge. John chapter 17. Uh, you got Jesus, and what is he doing right now? Uh, he's in the upper room with the disciples. That's right, yeah. Right after the Last Supper. So they just finished having the Last Supper. He does the whole I am the vine, you are the branches thing. And he's just sitting around. And he's just, he's spitting hot fire on him. He's like, the Holy Spirit's about to come. All that stuff's going to be great. And then Jesus just kind of stops. And it says at the beginning of uh, John chapter 17, that he, it says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, dot, dot, dot. You can go ahead and read the whole thing for yourself. But John chapter 17 is, is a beautiful chapter because it's a prayer of Jesus for us, which is pretty astonishing to think about. So let's actually start in John 17, 11. Jesus says, he's praying to God. He says, now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. So there it is. We see Jesus starting to pray for, for unity, right? And his unity that he's talking about, it's intense because this isn't just may they get together and meet up with one another once a week. He says, may we be united just as you and I are. So think about this for just a second. Who is Jesus? The son of God. Okay, and who is God? God. Yeah. The father of Jesus. Yeah. Is Jesus also God? Yes. So like literally being a part of another. That sense of unity is unheard of. Like that is, we are the same organism. Like that's crazy. That's what Jesus is calling for for all of us. And so you move a little bit further, you get over to verse 21. Uh, Jesus says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they 
be in us so the whole world will believe you sent me. Now, Jesus is insinuating something here uh, that, that he actually expounds on in verse 23. He says, I am in them and you are in me. Then check this out. He says, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That is a loaded verse. I'm going to read it one more time a little bit slowly. He says, may they experience such perfect unity, so perfect unity, that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Can we break this down for just a minute? I feel like that Shama reel where the guy's like, oh, I love the butt. What is the butt there for? What's the there for, there for? If you have no idea what I'm talking about, this is weird. Um, great Instagram reels. Anyway, but yeah, let's, let's, let's look at this slowly. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. Morgan, what does perfect unity look like? in your mind when you think about it like imagine that and uh, okay I'm, I'm also going to preface this there is another version here as well where jesus says that this prayer uh, is specifically for believers he is praying specifically for christians um which is it just, it's just it's just interesting his intentionality there but but when he talks about perfect unity what do you think that means no right no wrong answer just picking your brain i think the first thing that comes to mind is that there just isn't like bickering between believers over things that aren't important. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That's a good place to start. I think we're going to get into that a little bit later on. Uh, The second thing that he says, uh, he says that this perfect unity will let the world, meaning people who aren't Christians, will let the world know that you sent me. Which means Jesus is saying, I want them to be so unified that it proves to the world that I'm real. That's a pretty bold claim, right? I mean, you just mentioned it. Like, there's so much bickering that happens between Christians or among Christians that I think the world oftentimes looks at us and says, what's any different? Like, they don't look any different than the people arguing on CNN. They don't look any different than the people yelling at each other on Fox. They don't look any different than my Facebook timeline. As a matter of fact, my Facebook timeline is full of a bunch of Christians who are arguing at me and each other and all this other stuff, right? So think about that. Jesus is saying that the type of unity that he wants us to experience is a type of unity that actually proves to the world that he came here, that he is the son of God, that he died for her sins, and that he has given us a new way to live. So this is, I, I'm always hesitant when I, when I have thoughts that I haven't researched, um, so this is for, this is a place to talk and explore, but listen, if we're wrong, Hey, Whoever's listening to this, you should be reading your Bible anyway. So don't. <laughs> well, we'll unpack this together. But when we're talking, like when the verse says, like, you are in me and I am in you, like Jesus and God, that unity, um, I immediately thought of like how every believer is like full of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is part of the unity that goes with Jesus and God. And if you and I both have the Holy Spirit, like the power of the Holy Spirit in us, there's almost this like automatic unity that you and I can experience because we are both filled with the Spirit, which is in turn like unified with Jesus and God. I think the problem becomes when we as Christians ignore the Spirit working in us. I think you're on the right track. And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. The third part of this prayer that Jesus prays is... uh. 
he says that um, it will be proved to the world that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Is it possible that we could experience such perfect unity that we say, man, God loves us. God loves it. Look at how blessed I am to be surrounded by brothers and sisters who are as passionate and as concerned and as sold out for Jesus as I am. Um, or even the days when I'm not, they're pushing me to be more like Jesus. Like he is actually telling us we can experience a unity that's, that's pushing one another in the right direction in such a way that we just think, man, God's good. Like, I I think we hear pastors talk about it all the time. At least I do. And I know because I even use this as an example. Um, but I think we hear pastors all the time who are like, man, if, if God's plan for saving the world was people, God had a bad plan, (laughs) right? Like I I would choose anything else. I would choose, you know, people are so messed up, yada, yada, yada. What Jesus is saying here is that his prayer for us is that despite our brokenness, we would be so unified with one another that it's supernatural. That people think, man, that actually is. This this God guy was on to something. He, he gets it. And so, uh, again, with the emphasis that this conversation is not, or this prayer rather, is not just about uh, the entire world, but more specifically with the church, what is it? that has the church so disunified. very unified and i think that's because you know we do see a lot of bickering we do see a lot of arguing we see a lot of people kind of persisting and wanting their own way so to answer that last question that we asked right before that oh so funky musical drop uh could it be that the reason why the church as a whole seems so disunified is because we're all pursuing our own things instead of jesus I'm stuck on the fact that I didn't necessarily say that the church isn't unified. You asked me if the world was unified. Oh, okay. Look at you paying attention. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. I'm reading a book right now. That's Mm -hmm. all about like the like correctness of your words and like, it's basically so like, now you're just going to call me out every time I make a small mistake. I got it. No, it's fine. No, I just want to look at the disunity. <laughs> I just want to say that the question you asked me was, do you see unity in the world? And my answer was no. Mm-hmm. And I think that is because the world does not have the Holy spirit. Um, okay. so do you feel like you see unity in the church? I think in some cases, yes. And in some cases, no, if I had to give like a broad, like big C church answer, um, I would lean more towards no, but in my heart and like just in seeing things, at least around us lately, I think we are trying, we're trying as a big C church to move towards unity. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there are some things that we get behind cause they're easy to get behind. Right. So for example, if you're like, Hey, children are hungry, let's feed children. People are like, yeah, let's unify and, and attack that problem. But if you're like, I don't know. You need to get baptized so that you can be saved. Well, now you're going to cause a bunch of fights, right? Because now we are un 
we're we're disunified over what we consider to be really important issues. And so I think there's I think there are kind of two different veins that we can talk about this in. One is what does it look like when the church is not unified on church things, right? So uh, matters of faith, um, who do we say Jesus is, what's the authority of the Bible, theological issues, right? But then I think there's also when the world gets disunified on things that it always feels weird saying that the Bible doesn't care about, but though the Bible isn't as vocal about, you know what I mean? Like the minute details of Republican versus Democrat or conservative versus liberal or yeah, you know what I mean? Should we give our money to this organization or that organization that helps people? Yeah. Like it gets weird because then we have, now we have to define these other terms with extra biblical terms and try to find a way to make those things fit inside of our biblical construct or worldview. Um, and then people make arguments for both. And now, well, my Bible says this and your Bible says that. Well, we're reading the same Bible, so what's the problem? <laughs> I think it gets really messy and where we stray away from unity is when people have their own agenda because, like I was saying earlier, we're like not... I'm sorry. I was like, I, I was supposed to be quiet so that you come across the mic clearly and I like audibly leaned in so I could amen you because I think you're 100% right. Uh, we, we lose focus on staying in touch with the Holy Spirit working inside of us and we start to push our own agenda and we try to pursue after the things that we think are important. And then we just slap like the Jesus label on it and hide under like the church agenda and the church budget. And like, how can I hide under this canopy and say, oh, but it's for it's for like the sake of the kingdom. Uh, I think that gets really, really dangerous. So I think a challenge for myself, a challenge for you, a challenge for our church, Big C Church, is to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit working in you before you slap the Jesus label on it and send it out the door. That's good. I think it's interesting because Jesus created this like rift in culture as well, right? Like he was kind of a problem starter. He he was he was in in for lack of a better term divisive, right? I mean, you know, you had this religious system that was in place that a lot of people were going along with and just kind of going with the flow and saying, oh, yeah, let's do things that way. But Jesus came in and actually offered something different. So what do you what do you do when, you know, with verses where Jesus says, no, I came to turn like mother against daughter and father against son. And like he came to like bring the sword. You know what I mean? There are verses where he said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. So like what do we as Christ followers do with that uh, when we talk about this topic of unity? What makes. Yeah. Because there's something interesting there, right? For Jesus to call us into unity, but to also be in a position where he himself caused division, um, there it, it almost tells you that there's like a good unity and a bad unity to pursue, right? I mean, isn't there's unity for the sake of the kingdom? I mean, we just read the verse in John that let them be unified so that it brings glory to God. Yes. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's the key right there. I think a lot of us are are unified very passionately towards different things, right? And listen, I'm not, this is not going to become, at no point is this a political statement at all, anything that we're saying here today. But, you know, I, I think a lot over 2020 specifically, we saw a lot of people picking a lot of sides on a lot of different things. And I think the one good thing that came out of it was in these pockets, we saw unity. Right. So you may have had arguments between 
oh gosh, list any two people groups here. Um, but there was a unity within those people groups fighting for what they believed in that was really beautiful to see, right? You're like, listen, even if you're wrong about this, you stand up firmly for what you believe in. And so I kind of respect that. And uh, and so I think even with Christianity, while we don't believe that we are wrong, quote unquote, about what we what it is that we believe, um, there is a unity that takes place inside of Christian spheres that is going to separate us from the world. And I, I think that's part of what Jesus was praying for. I think Jesus was praying for, listen, oh, 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 it's in here. It's in here. John chapter 17. Um, oh, man. Where is it? Where is it? Check this out. In John chapter 17, starting at verse 14, Jesus says it's still a part of his prayer. I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. So Jesus is, he's literally praying for unity, but saying they're going to face hate from someone, right? So like this outside sort of opposition. Um, and in verse 15, he picks up, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. So Jesus is even, oh, hold on, I'm going a little bit further. Uh, it says, make them, make them holy by your truth, teach them your word, which is truth, just as you sent me into this world, I am sending them into the world. And so Jesus is, is basically teaching that there's, he wants us to be unified in the middle of the brokenness, right? He wants us to be unified, a pocket of unification, if you will, in the middle of this, this disunity, in, in the midst of all the other brokenness that takes place. And uh, I'm just going to take a moment and, and I kind of want to commend um, our Catholic brothers and sisters, because this is one thing that I think they get really, really well. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, there, there are some beautiful parts of the Catholic tradition. And I think one of the things is that sense of unity, that they are the Catholic church. And I'm not just talking about they're unified under just a banner or name. And like, don't get me wrong. I know like divisions and rifts and all that other stuff happens inside of every sphere of, you know, faith and religion. But, um, but I think there is something to say that like, man, when we come together with a common goal, with a common purpose, unified towards a common thing, orienting ourselves towards God and not our own individual things, something beautiful happens. Um, I like to think of it like a, like a marathon, right? Like when people line up to go and run a marathon together, you have a bunch of people that get at a starting line. And they're like, cool, we're going to start right here. And this is where we're going. And so for miles, way too many, in my opinion, you just see people running alongside each other towards the finish line. And like, it doesn't matter if you've been training for months. It doesn't matter if you're like doing this because you're trying to like scratch something off your bucket list. Like no matter which skill level you are, no matter how you know, much of a runner you are, anything like that. Like you're still moving towards the same goal alongside these other people. And you know what? When you get to that finish line, everybody's high-fiving each other and they're proud. They say, hey, good job. And you see those really emotional videos like the dude that started cramping 20 feet away from the line and somebody else carries him up. You know what I mean? And that is like such a beautiful picture of unity. And I, I think that's the reason why Paul uses the, the imagery of a race so often when he writes. Um, but imagine what it would look like if you said, we're having the Boston Marathon finish line is wherever you say it is and you can take whichever path you want to get there ready go like <laughs> just i'm sorry there's like a big echo of this desk i just like almost broke my hand on it but like imagine that and that's what it feels like the church is doing right now it's like what are we what do we care about what are we passionate about what am i passionate about i'm gonna pursue that thing and i'm gonna get to it however i want to as opposed to 
Jesus himself saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody gets to the Father except through me, and with all of us aligning ourselves to that. It just, I don't know. That's the way that it plays out in my mind. I think as you talk about uh, moving those finish lines or us all having a finish line in different locations, it reminded me of uh, a thought I had earlier of how when like jealousy and comparison slip into our chase after um, after Jesus, um, how that inf- affects the the unity that we're trying to achieve. Um, if somebody's goal line is closer and they get to that, I find myself looking at them like, oh man, they already made it and they made it so quickly and they did it so well and I'm here and I still haven't made it to the finish line. But like you were talking about the person who cramps, I'm cramping 20 feet away from the finish line and that person comes in and they help me get to that finish line instead of finding myself in this trap of comparing myself to someone else or, or being jealous of that other person of like, oh man, why did they already make it to the finish line? Like I've been working so hard and, and like I should be there too. And then it, it affects me like getting to the finish line. Mm -hmm. I lose Mm -hmm. my focus. Um, so, so moving those finish lines, having them all over the place is just, it's detrimental because, Mm -hmm. um, it, I think it leads itself to comparison and jealousy between believers. So if that finish line is at the same place, we all have the same goal. We're all chasing after God, working towards unity. Then we're more likely to look and see the person who's cramping 20 feet from the finish line, pick them up and help them get there. That's good. Yeah, I think that's good. And I I love uh, Ephesians chapter four because it really talks about that exact idea. It paints a picture of what this unity that we should be pursuing together actually looks like. And and it lists out, really a ton. I mean, if you're listening to this, for the sake of time, we're not going to read the entire chapter, but I think there are some things in here that are really, really good. So for example, Paul says that we should make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This is what's crazy to me about Jesus's prayer. And I heard somebody say this one time, and I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about it. But the, I, I think it was, yeah, I think I read this in a book, but it was that Jesus's prayer in John 17 we're the ones who get to choose or decide when that prayer gets answered. And uh, I say I argue, I like struggle with that because like, you know, you can do the whole like sovereignty of God thing and like when is he going to allow or whatever, how you, however you kind of view that. But, but I mean, there, there is some merit to that, right? Like, I mean, how can anyone like read this, the prayer of Jesus and not say that I'm going to, in Paul's words, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You know, anyway, that's just a side thought. Uh, you know, Ephesians 4, 4 also talks about becoming mature in the faith, attaining to become the fullness of Christ, uh, to be a part of a body where Christ is the head, to put off our old self, which is corrupted by our own deceitful, selfish desires, and instead pursue uh, the desires and, and wants of others in the community and, and the things that Jesus wants for us as the church. And so uh, I just want to tell you, if you're listening to this and you're looking for a new place to go, um, go ahead and check out Ephesians 4. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. Yeah, I have nothing to add. The Bible is great. Cool. Let's play some music and take a break.
So as we begin to talk about practical applications, I want to be abundantly clear that in your pursuit of unity, that is not passivity. I, from my own experience, I, when I find myself in disunity, is that? Yes. Um, It works. Everybody knows what you're talking about. (laughs) When I find myself in a situation that is not full of unity, um, sometimes my default is to just be passive, kind of go belly up and just be like, you know what? You're right and I'm wrong. And almost just like let someone else, like the other person win that argument, so to speak, and um, just move on, even if it's not correct. So I, just to just to be clear, I think I get what you're saying. But basically, so what you're suggesting is, is that that so in my brain, the opposite of passivity is confrontation. And sometimes it's easier to choose passivity to just say, you know what, you're right, whatever. I'm going to go with the flow with you when really it should take some healthy confrontation of, hey, listen, I get what you're saying, but maybe we should sit and, and look at the scripture together. We should look at the Bible together. We should slow down. We should pray about this together. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. It feels like you're creating unity because you're not disagreeing with the person in the moment. Oh, but ultimate biblical God chasing unity might take a little bit of, I'm going to need to challenge you on that. I hope people have stuck around to this part of the episode. Cause I feel like that is, that's it. That's the crux. That's the thing. Um, Man, that's so good. Yeah, that biblical unity requires us to be willing to go through some of the muck and the mire and the the dirty of all the stuff that we... Oh, man, that's so good. I don't think you realize you how... Man, that's why I married you. Oh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, on that note, I think what it takes for a Christian to pursue unity is not just confrontation. Because I think confrontation in the wrong way is how you get division, right? That's what we get now of like, I hate you and you're wrong and yada, yada, point fingers at you and leave passive aggressive emojis on your Facebook post. Um, But I think confrontation with humility is the key, that that's how we reach a place of unity, right? I mean, let's look at it. Humility is at the center of our decision to follow Jesus. Humility is right there in the middle of, listen, I can't do this my own way. I'm tired of trying to do it my own way. So God, I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to trust that Jesus is who he says he is, right? There's that humility that happens. Um, And I think that in order for us to find unity with one another, that same sort of humility needs to happen in order for us to reach unity. Um, And so so we're going to kind of go through what are three things that we can do to... um, as individuals, because unity, it's a group effort, right? We all need to agree to, to be in unity with one another. But what can you, what can I as an individual do to pursue unity um, kind of with humility at the middle of all that? I think the first thing is you have to remind yourself of what you're pursuing. Like, what's the goal? And if you don't haven't <laughs> gathered by the end of this episode, what the goal is, is we're chasing after God. We're following after Jesus, right? Yeah. Discipleship is right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So we have to remind ourselves what it is that we're pursuing. 
Because it's so easy to get distracted, it's right? So easy. I was literally going to say it's probably. I was going to say you have to remind yourself every morning when you wake up. But honestly, some some days it's like an hour by hour reminding yourself this is what I'm pursuing after. Um, just a quick interjection. Um, I feel like the thing I've been learning lately is just after everything, saying for the glory of God. Um, in everything that I do, I'm doing it for the glory of God. Um, because I think I've fallen into the trap lately of for the glory of me and not for the glory of God. And yeah, that we'll put that out there as a challenge in our practical application section is with everything that you plan and you say that you're going to do, tack on that phrase for the glory of God. And if it doesn't work, if it's like oil and water, it's it's not mixing, it's not making a good sentence, then I'd, I'd suggest scratching that. That's good. Yeah. Is what I'm about to do going to glorify God? And if not, let me move the other way. I think that what makes this tough, not makes it tough, but I think that as an individual wanting to pursue unity, right? Like not making the decision for the group, because it'd be great if you could just stand up in front of everybody and just say, hey, y'all, we're going to be unified today. No, it, it takes the uh, it takes the commitment of each person that's a part of that group to say, I'm going to do what I need to do. Uh, I think as a Christian right now, as an individual, um, it starts by saying, Every morning when you wake up, I'm going to pursue Jesus and unity of the church. I think as an individual, that's what you need to say. I think once the entire group understands we're all pursuing Jesus, then the need to say, and the unity of the church, I think it kind of fades away. Because if we're all pursuing Jesus, that unity is going to happen um, pretty naturally. So I don't know. Maybe that's just that's that's kind of just where my brain went. The, that it, the the pursuit of unity has to be intentional as long as we are waiting for others around us and ourselves included to be more in line with Jesus. Right. I don't think you have to pray for let me follow Jesus and be unified. I think they're one and the same. But you have to be intentional in reminding yourself that before both actually start to take root. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. I'm going to listen to this episode. Yeah. And then we'll figure out if it makes sense or not. OK. What's the second thing? We need to not convince people to follow us but to show them that ultimately they need to follow jesus yeah and i think that's where a lot of our trouble comes in is that we get our own banners our own things that we're super excited about and our own causes and we're like come on y'all you you should get behind this too and because i'm right and i'm a man of god and trust me even though it's like listen did that stuff even come from god or is that just you you know what i mean so yeah, you need to figure out and, and kind of get your own things in order of saying, man, am I actually pursuing after Jesus? Uh, one of the verses that talks about this, Peter, I'm sorry, not Peter, Paul, he writes, uh, he writes, you should follow me as I follow Christ. Now, what gives Paul the authority to, to make a statement like that? It's, it's that Paul is actively following Jesus. What happens is, is I think that a lot of us as Christians, we say, man, I want to be in Paul's position. I want people to follow me as I follow Jesus. Uh, but then you start setting a bad example because you're not following Jesus anymore. You're following your own interests and your own causes and the things that you think are most important. But you're, you're, you, again, you just get distracted and it happens to all of us at some point or another. And that's the reason why accountability and having people around us is so important because we spur one another on towards Jesus. I want to add to this too, that like when you talk about like having a following, like Paul had, like, I think 
a modern day equivalent of that would be like on social media, having a large platform where people are following you. Um, so some people probably are like, oh, well, I only have like 50 followers on Instagram. Like it doesn't matter what I post. Um, I would say don't discount yourself because I think everybody has their own sphere of influence, Mm -hmm. no matter if it's like five people or 5,000 or 5 million. Um, yeah, never forsake following after Jesus because you think that you don't have that big of an influence. That's good. That's good. And don't forsake being an example because you feel like you don't have the influence. That's good. What's our last thing? Last thing. Ooh, this one's fun. We, (laughs) man, talk about humility. Admit your faults and admit where you're wrong so that you and your brother and sister can get back on the same track with one another and pursue Jesus together. Can you read that one more time, but not make it sound like you're reading it? <laughs> Sorry. It just sound, I know it's a long one, but. Um, admitting your faults and admitting when you're wrong so that you and your brother or your sister in Christ can reconcile with each other and get back on track to following Jesus. I think that's huge. You know, just we were talking about social media. Let's continue that social media thing a little bit. You see a lot of people fighting for what they believe on and believe in. When was the last time you've ever seen anyone post on social media, I was wrong about dot, dot, dot? I do not log into that particular platform of social media. Again, with the the survey sample size, (laughs) I'm the wrong one to talk to. Okay, but, okay, let's think about it this way. Um, Uh, no. Hmm. Can you just say never? It would really make the conversation easier. <laughs> wow. Really um, doctoring, We're this, authentic e- doctoring no. this episode to get what you want. No, I, I know exactly what you mean. No one, I mean, no one wants to admit that they're wrong. That it, is the point that I'm trying to get to. It's yes. not fun. Think about this. Have you ever looked back at old social media posts and saw something that you posted when you were in like 10th grade and you're like, ugh, that's cringy. And you share it as a memory and be like, hey, I was wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Or just be like, look at how dumb I was, right? Yeah. No, I humility is not not a fun thing Mm-mm. to do so admitting when you're wrong it no but here's the thing you can't pursue unity with your brother and sister until you admit you're wrong about some things because usually what happens is we get in an argument or we get in a rift with somebody and we say well when they admit they're wrong then then when, when they apologize to me then we can fix things and get things sorted out but what areas of your life do you need to admit where you're wrong? What areas of your life do you need to go over to a brother or sister and say, hey, listen, I was wrong. What I was pushing on you, what I was telling you about, what I was, you know, trying to convince you of. Listen, you know, at the end of the day, maybe maybe my opinion about this thing doesn't even matter. You know, when was the last time you said that? When was the last time you got up in arms about something and then you realized, you know what, maybe it's not even that important. Listen, can we squash that so that we can pursue Jesus again together? I think there's so much room for so many of those conversations and they just don't happen. And it's a shame. And I think it's why we don't uh, achieve unity. Um, And I think humility is at the center of that. We miss out on the humility piece and and we miss out on the opportunity for unity. So really quick recap, practical ways uh, for you as an individual Christian to pursue unity. Number one, remind yourself what it is that you're pursuing. Number two, don't try to convince other people to follow you. Show them why they need to follow Christ. And number three, Admit your faults 
and admit when you're wrong so that you and your brother or your sister in Christ can get back on the same track with one another to pursue Christ together. That's it. We need to get out of our own way and allow God to work in the hearts of all of us as individuals so that we can draw closer to one another. And I, I think once we do that, we're at least on the right track. We're at least in the right direction. But man, yeah, we got to learn how to say I was wrong, you were right, and, and move together in this thing. Is that it? I think that's it. Is that it for this week's episode? It, it feels good just to be back at it, you know? It does. It's been a while. Maybe maybe have to shake a little bit of ring rust off, but uh, man, it was fun. I enjoyed it. So yeah, that is it for this week's episode. Go out there and pursue unity um, with one another. And uh, we would love to have some unity with you. As always, you can reach out to us on social media uh, or email us. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, or email us at truediscipleship21 at gmail. 2020, no. truediscipleship2021 at gmail.com. Yeah, you just said 21. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, 2021 at gmail.com. For once. Got me. You got know what, Morgan? I was wrong. Let's put it behind us so that we can move forward for the unity and the forward progression of this podcast and the kingdom. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the True Discipleship Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye.